Hello, guys, and welcome to the latest episode of the MSC Performance Podcast. Today, I'm very uh, pleased to be joined by Miss Sonia Klukova. How are you doing, Sonia? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm doing very well, and I'm really excited for this episode um, with, with yourself, Mark. Fantastic, fantastic. So, uh, obviously, a week week to go before uh, before gyms open back up, but uh, we're going to put the sort of MSC chat on on hold a little bit today and go into uh, some some technical stuff and uh, it's all related to sprinting so the title of the podcast is considerations for improving sprint performance um, so for those of you who uh, you know Sonia's pretty famous on Instagram now um, you know she grow, she's grown up in an era where every set that you do in your life has to be uh, has to be filmed and put on Insta I'm, I'm a little bit more old school so she's always trying to drag drag me out to get me on camera but it's uh we've been doing some sprints uh this uh sort of winter haven't we during the lockdown sonia yeah. um maybe using the using the fact of being outdoor not really using a track but proving it can be done yeah. exactly exactly so as i say the, the title was considerations for improving sprint performance um so there's four main topics of discussion today um the first one will be just briefly discussing the benefits of improving uh, your sprint sprint speed um, and improving sprinting uh, the second one will be how do we go about this how do we improve our speed uh, we'll be talking about the relationship with the gym and strength power plyometric training we'll be talking about uh, technique work with sprinting um etc etc uh, we'll then be talking about considerations that'll be our kind of third subheading so um what do we need to consider um you know what about the programming what about distances we need to be sprinting technique rest volume intensity all these kind of different things and then we'll sort of finish off with you know where where to start um where to start and how to how to progress and we'll kind of conclude around around there so uh quite a quite a bit to get into so we'll kind of jump uh, jump head first and get get straight in there so sonia's um studying her, her master's at the moment in strength and conditioning um so um you know my, my mine was a long time ago so she might have some more up-to-date research than me so this will be uh, quite quite interesting so sonia what about the you know to start us off um just explain to people the the benefits of of, of sprinting yes um so if, if we talk about sprinting or if we want to think about it as the, the, the running or people can maybe may call it different different ways. So for this podcast, I would uh, relate to it as like a linear speed. So linear sprinting. And as you said, we're going to relate to sport performance. So obviously, if you think of it uh, when you run or sprint, um, you're producing and absorbing certain force. Okay. That's when the, the injury um, injury um, consideration comes in, etc., etc. Um, and for me, mostly is related, or the benefits uh, kind of apply to team sports. So mostly like the rugby, soccer, football, um, and then obviously you have sports like basketball. So um, kind of moving out of that general pop, I would. I would like to say that probably the biggest um, like uh, crossover or carryover it has to these team sports. So there will be kind of a touch up where Mark will explain why he does sprints um, and maybe I can say why I do them, which obviously might not be that related to early lifting. Um, but like obviously what I wanted to say is about that force that 
you need to be able to produce the force in different stands, different position, plane, and environment. Okay, so that's why you practice and trying to make your sprints as efficient as possible. Um, the big one is probably the acceleration phase, um, which obviously kind of dictates the sprint. That's your initial 10 meters. Um, that's where it touches the the strength base because obviously that's where all all the all the forces um, kind of generated from. So that's a big one. Um, and yeah, basically propulsive force um, moving at high velocity. Um, uh, where kind of like the motor skill and the coordination and timing comes in and that that's what that those are the things which you should kind of focus on when you're trying to learn or make your sprints a bit more efficient so the benefit would be the crossover for your team sports um in in my kind of idea or yeah yeah <laughs> no absolutely yeah i think um before we get too too much into into the science i think from a field sport uh, perspective you know all, all things being equal the you know the the faster guys gonna 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 kick your ass basically um you know from speaking from experience you know your your quicker guys um you know the ones ones who are sort of strong and powerful but can also move speed are the hardest guys to, to stop and hardest guys to tackle. You know, your big, strong guys who move slowly um, are a little bit, little bit easier to, to bring down. But when someone's moving at you with, with speed and, you know, we're, we're going to be talking mainly about sort of, you know, linear speed today, but, you know, also change of direction comes into this as well. Um, and the ability to move quickly is just so, just so difficult to, to stop. And as I say, all, you know, always say with, you know, strength and conditioning, uh, and why it's important for uh, for field sports is you know if you're coming up against someone who uh, is is a, tech, a technical match, obviously technique you know will often you know trump anything else. But if you're coming up against someone of equal technique, it's the stronger, more powerful, and faster guy that's going to come out uh, on top. And you know, and, and sprinting is a massive part of of field sports, um, especially in certain positions. So in rugby, for example. Uh, your wingers, your outside backs, you know, it was very, very important to be to be fast. Your elite uh, rugby players, you know, it's uh, very, you know, common for for, for top elite uh, wingers to be, you know, sub eleven seconds for 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 hundred meters. We don't we don't tend to use hundred meters as a reference in rugby because you don't often run uh, or sprint hundred meters at one time. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later as well, actually, in regards to training considerations and how, you know, for a lot of field sports will train shorter distances and therefore, you know, a lot, a lot of like heavier power work comes in quite useful. Um, but not to divulge into that too early. Um, that's, that's essentially what we're looking at. American football with certain positions where, you know, speed, speed kills and, um, you know, in football as well, you know, uh, arguably more, you know, even, even more so than, than rugby, you know, with uh, the, the importance of speed, especially in, you know, in the English game and in the Premier League, you're looking at, you know, the, these guys, are, you know, are, are rapid guys. Um, so being fast is, you know, extremely, extremely important. Um, so, you know, I mean, that, you know, probably rounds up the sort of ba basic benefits. You know, could talk all day about that. But I think, you know, if we move into, um, you know, how, how do we get quicker? Most people will sort of gather, right, being quicker is a good thing, right? So if we talk about, um, you know, how, how do we improve speed? Um, you know, do you want to do you want to start us off on that, Sonia? Uh, 
uh, yeah, so obviously I think it, it, it's, it's obvious that how do we improve speed? The sprinting is about how quickly you cover certain distance, yeah? But then I think me and you both as SNC coaches would look at someone sprinting or running from that perspective of what do I see? So how those people run um, and looking at those biomechanics because we know that as running is so like um, something new, very neutral and cognitive skill, which you can just run. We know that the technique uh, adds way more into it, like being more efficient um utilizing the energy appropriately etc so that's where you kind of look at those things like how do you actually gonna sprint fast um and i think we both on the pay on the same page with um if you wanna if you wanna be fast and if you wanna run you gotta get yourself out there either on a truck or you know as me and you've been doing on the street or whenever we could just yeah. run like the most important thing is is to run like we know that the weight room is kind of like enhancement or a supplement of those those bits but the first and like the most important thing is to actually execute some running um so we can touch up on on some drills or whatever point you want to kind of jump into yeah yeah i think um it's interesting you talk about uh technique it's something that because you know because pretty much everybody can can run they can sprint to some sort of standard it's neglected um, massively uh, in terms of, you know, especially with, well, with, with all ages really, but growing, you know, growing up, having been sort of coached since, you know, six years old in, in playing sports, you know, I've never once been sort of actually, you know, shown how to, you know, how, how to sprint or how to run efficiently. Um, you know, it's like, if you, if you're fast, you're fast. If you slow, you're slow. And, you know, that, and, and, you know, genetic makeup does, play a huge role in sprinting you know uh, I can do all the sprint practice in the world I'm never never gonna be, you're never gonna see me in the 100 meters uh, in the Olympics um, but you know it's, um, it's it's something that's important as with anything you know uh, if we're talking about you know lifting weights the more efficient you know the better our technique the more efficient we are and therefore you know the, the you know our, our efficiency is a lot higher and we can we can make better use of the of the force that we're we're producing so you know, techniques, you know, very, uh, very important. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about how to implement that into your training. Um, but yeah, it's certainly a combination. We, you know, we know through decades of research that, um, you know, I mean, uh, literally hundreds and, you know, thousands of papers that, you know, you, you've got to be, you've got to be sprinting to improve sprint performance, uh, which sounds very obvious, but, um, you know, some people all sort of, you know, see the research about the, you know, the benefits of strength training, power training and plyometrics and go and do that to improve sprint performance, which is absolutely the right thing to do, but then neglect the actual uh, sprinting. Um, and, you know, to sort of, you know, divulge into, in, into field performance again, that, you know, there might be some games where you're not actually opening up to, uh, to full speed, uh, especially in certain positions. So it's important to, you know, even in season to separately away from game time to, you know, at least get one, you know, once a week or maybe twice a week, some, you know, high, high velocity uh, sprints in. But yeah, we know through the, we know through the research that your strength, power and plyometric uh, work is, you know, all massively important to support uh, sprinting um, but it, it must be must be a combination uh, working on things like you know stiffness tendon stiffness and things like that we're talking about 
uh, talk about a little bit later as well. But um, you know, for ultimately for best best sprint performance, we need to get that side of things right in the in the gym uh, with the the strength power plyometric side of things, and then also getting out and actually performing these high high velocity uh, high velocity movements. Um, kind of you touching up that point of injury prevention. Because obviously, if you want to be running loads or retesting, like you probably know that you in your rugby prep, you guys doing loads of testing, same like NFL guys doing loads of testing. And I, and I bet that guys are probably worried about it in terms of the injury. But I think if you have a good whole year round prep, that shouldn't be the case. So that's probably where the gym plays a big role, um, preparing you and being able to cook be capable of those sprints and those testing um, yeah. yeah sprinting sprinting produces unbelievably high forces on the on, on the body um you know especially the, the heavier the body weight so again some of your field athlete guys you know i mean me and you you know it's probably a couple of kilos over what i should be at the moment but about 108 kilos and sort of doing sprints and especially doing them on the you know outside on the track as well um, not on the track sorry on the pavement um you know down down the canal and try not to get try not to get shot or stabbed in between sets um is you know there's very it's a lot of force going through the through the body so implementing the strength work and building up that robustness and that that sort of stiffness if you like and implementing the 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 speed work in the right way in regards to volumes and intensities and gradual build up is very you know is is very very important um so people will be you know might be listening to this and thinking well i don't i don't get it why you know why do i need to uh why why do i need to be strong you know why do i need me to lift heavy weight you know that looks slow in the gym How, how's that going to make me make me faster but you know with strength training what we're doing is we're you know the stronger we get um the more uh, you know, muscular contractile force that we can, you know, we, we can produce, um, but, you know, the higher the force, you know, the bigger that engine, um, you know, gives us a better base to, to start looking at trying to, you know, uh, produce those, those forces, at, at more power and more, more velocity. Um, so we're looking at essentially force production and injury prevention as well, again, because of the high forces that we, you know, strong, you know, stronger muscle, stronger tendons, you know, and, and, and stiffer tendons, you know, you know, less likely to, you know, to break down whilst we're taking on those, those high forces. Um, just from a program point of view as well, um, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's a, a thing, you know, in terms of injuries, you see a lot where, you know, people will, they'll come up to competition phase and they've not done sprint work early on enough in their, in their program. So they'll, you know, be doing the hypertrophy work, they might be doing the strength work in the gym and doing all the right things um and then they're coming in sort of four six weeks you know before the season and then they're transferring they're tapering off too quickly with the the strength and, and power work and then they're hiking up too you know too quickly with the with the speed work and again sprinting you know is is massively high high forces we're producing so they're going in and doing too much too soon before com, you know, before competition, um, and if you look at the re, you know, if you look at the research, two thirds of hamstring injuries come during that competition transition uh, phase by basically dropping off that strength too much, you know, losing a bit of a bit of a strength base, um, you know, and therefore the ability to absorb those forces, and then just you know spiking up too high in the in the velocity, and that's got to be done, you know, gradually. Um, so that's one of the reasons why. 
you know, you and I have been out sprinting since, you know, what was it January? And you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, like, you know, especially this season with the season being cancelled for me, I'm not going to be playing till, you know, not competitive games until September, maybe some friendlies before that. Why, why on earth are you sprinting in, in January? Um, and it is so that I can have that nice long build up before I'm going, you know, absolutely, you know, full, full on. So starting with, you know, starting with hills and making sure I'm doing the right stuff in the gym to complement, but just getting, getting used to it. And, you know, it's vertical integration, which again, we'll go, we'll go into a little bit, uh, yeah, little I'm bit, a like, little bit later. Narrows it down. So this was mostly summarized that, that generous friend base. Um, and then obviously we, we kind of covering the elements of which are need for sprinting. So I would probably move a bit or speak a bit uh, about power. So like, as I said, the first 10 meters probably of your sprint, like the acceleration would be, would be that bit, which is kind of driven by the strength base. And then as you're moving kind of like those 10, 15 meters, past, like up to 20, um, that's where the power comes, comes from. So obviously then um, how do you improve speed in terms of power? So in my opinion, that's probably the work with like some plyos, jumps, ballistic work, the throws, med balls. So you've seen us doing loads of these as well. Um, so do you wanna do you wanna touch a bit of the power bit, Mark, as well, or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, you know, once we've uh, once once we've built a good good strength base, and you know, uh, just to sort of almost go backwards uh, for a second, you know, it's important that we're doing a bit of hypertrophy work as well to make sure that we've got you know good amount of muscle mass. Um, we're sort of preparing the, 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 the joints and the muscles uh, for heavier work as well. So it's important, you know, we're doing, you know, we're gradually building up perhaps with sixes, eights, tens in the gym, things like this, before we go into like maximal strength work. So we're well prepared for it. Um, with the hypertrophy work, we don't, we don't actually want to, you know, if we're looking at um, being, a, being a sprinter specifically, you know, your average male sprinter, I think is about 77 kilos at the elite level and the average woman's about 58. So, you know, um, obviously we're talking a bit more about field sports today. Yeah. Um, but if you just a, just a consideration, if you are a sprinter, is uh, a competitive sprinter, um, you know, of course there are heavier sprinters that do very, very well, but that's, that's just, a, that's just a, a, that's some data of the, the average weight of a, of a, of a sprinter at the elite level. So um, perhaps just be a little bit careful with how much uh, hypertrophy work you're doing, but essentially you're doing some prep work there, then moving into your strength, um, and again, this is all vertical integration. So you're always training hypertrophy, you're always training speed, you're always training power. But what we're talking about here is just prioritizing certain things. So you come across on that hypertrophy work, you start to prioritize the strength work. Um, as you're getting a bit closer to season, you'd go a bit more specific, big strength, single leg strength, et cetera, et cetera. And then as I say, we convert into, into power and we're looking at rate of force development. And especially with your, um, like you say, you know, your field sports where, um you know we're not necessarily after top end sprint you know um sprint speed at the 60 70 80 meters you know if you look at elite sprinters you know someone like Usain Bolt as an example um you know it, it's hitting top speed at around sort of 60 meters you know 60 70 meters so uh, from a field sport perspective we don't necessarily uh, need that so we're we'll training shorter distances and as you say the heavier resistance work is very good for that acceleration uh, phase. 
you know, if you if you look at kind of like elite level powerlifters and Olympic lifters, they're often very quick over over five or ten meters if they, if they sprint. Um, so, you know, doing your heavy work again, you know, in, improving the amount of force that we can produce is very beneficial for those five, you know, those, those five, ten, you know, up to thirty meters. And the power work as well is improving your rate of force development. So the rate in which we can contract those muscle fibers, you know, to absorb, you know, to, to move that force, that force base we've produced, uh, developed in the strength to, to move into the power is to start to move that force that we've created at a quicker and faster uh, rate. So implementing, you know, your power-based stuff, um, you know, is massively important you know um this could be through olympic lifts this could be through banded stuff um and this could also be through resisted sprints as well which is arguably the best carryover out of all of them into actual acceleration and sprint performance over over those uh, short distances now the research still a little bit hasty with the the heavier loads of uh, resisted sprints so with resisted sprints and what we're talking about here is obviously you've got bands you've got hills but i'm talking specifically about um uh, you know sled sprints uh, resisted sprints with weight attached and um, most research has been done with like lighter loads uh, you know under 10 percent uh, body weight uh, there's some moderate around 30 percent body weight and then heavy would be classed as 50 percent plus there's still quite limited research on 50 percent plus um, because a lot of practitioners are afraid that doing heavy sled sprints is going to uh, negatively affect technique uh, and actual sprint uh, uh, sprint efficiency. Um, however, there is there is an argument that if you can maintain it, the higher the loads, then you know the you know arguably the more the more carryover it's going to have for those uh, those short distances. So yeah, it's really interesting, and the power the power side of things is essential. I would add, um, I would add something to this when you say when you're talking about the weighted sprint so like obviously there there is a lo lot of research done about this um but what i've what i've, what I've personally used it for um is obviously the posture like maintain kind of that acceleration posture um and we can probably start discussing the technique a little bit so you would see people when they come in into sprinting that they trying to lean forward but this is where kind of they doing the mistake because you're not actually um aiming to lean forward like that that forward lean should be a result of the acceleration okay so obviously that's something what it, it either comes naturally or is based on on the strength level you have so that's kind of where i would later on implement the sled sprint where you kind of want where you kind of want to like enhance that acceleration position um and i think we can start moving slightly to to the technique and the drills like i'm sure people people know or people people even using like loads of um drills skips and abs around etc which we're gonna cover in a bit um in the warm up genuinely before any other session which which i think is, is great but i would kind of like to point out that you might be doing these drills and you might you might causing yourself an issue with this if you're not doing them properly or if nobody really coach the way to do them because that the reason for doing these is kind of 
um, improve your technique or make that carry over to the sprinting. But if you're going to be practicing these drills, and I'm talking about the A march, A run, like high knee drills, if you're going to be doing these with poor technique, you're probably going to replicate it in your sprinting. So it, it's good if you also get someone to kind of help you with these and maybe explain you why and when to do them. Like me and you do them a lot as a warm up. Um, I think last summer we started doing loads of these with jumps in the gym. And I think the main reason was like practice the limb mechanics, the hip height, the arm swing. So this is kind of what your drills are for. But then again, you got to be specific to you. Like not all drills might be suited to each individual. So this is tricky when you have a group or a team, team sport of bunch of people um, and everyone's just doing the same thing. So some, sometimes it can be like contraproductive because you might see some people sprinting kind of naturally, as you said, that like it's genetic, like you're really good and then you put them doing sprints and that might actually not be the right thing to do. Um, so yeah, what I'm just trying to say is that why people using these drill, drills is to improve the technique of sprinting. So the knee drive, hip height, um, etc., etc. Um, so yeah, maybe we should cover a bit on this as well. Well, do you have anything to add to this, Mark? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, like we mentioned at the beginning, I think you know techniques, uh, you know, very very important. Um, you know, let, let's be clear: if we've got, you know, natural, you know, incredible natural athletes you know, world-class sprinters and, uh, you know, some of your NFL guys, like the technique might not be perfect, but they can still produce so much force, <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, and their, fo their foot contact time, you know, is, is, is so, so impressive. Um, you know, that they can get away with not, you know, not optimal technique, but having said that, of course, we always want to look at, you know, getting, getting our technique as, as good as possible. And, yeah, I think a great way in terms of implementing these are into your warm-ups, like you, you mentioned. Um, you know, warm-ups, you know, should always be specific uh, to what you're about to undertake in the, in the session. So, you know, for if you're going out and practicing some sprinting, then perhaps, um, you know, sort of, you know, foam rolling for 30 minutes and then, you know, working through some squat patterns and things like this, you know, might not be the best, uh, most optimal way to do this you know, have a, have a bit of a pulse raiser and then get, you know, get, get into, uh, get into your drills, you know, get into your marches, your A, A, a like skips, B skips. What you're going to be doing in a controlled manner first. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, for example, you know, and, and you can really emphasize the technique work early on in a training cycle. So again, one, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, I started so, so early this off season was, just to take my time a little bit more, drill some technique, you know, with those, you know, it's like, uh, if you think of, you know, think of your main main sport, Olympic lifting, it's like, as you drive closer towards competition phase, you're not really thinking of technique so much. You're, you know, you're, you're lifting very, very heavy weight and the movement's very fast. So there's not a lot of time to think about uh, technique, but when you're in a, a prep phase, so, you know, you know, six, eight, 12, 16 weeks before competition, 
that's a great time where the loads are a little bit lower. We're not working at maximal intensity. That's a great time to uh, emphasize, you know, the, the technical aspects uh, to do the breakdown. So you'd be doing your block work, you'd be doing your pause work, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the same with sprinting as well. Um, you know, where you'd be uh, sort of doing your breakdown. So for example, again, we'll probably go into this a little bit later, but like with your, um, you know, with your sprinting early on in the program, you know, you don't want to be going at absolute, you know, highest velocity straight away um, because of the forces, the high forces you'll be, uh, you'll be exposed to. And especially about with a lack of strength base, that's going to be, uh, you know, very high risk. Um, but if you're for, you know, that's a great opportunity then to, you know, to, to work in your technical stuff, to do your five meters, your 10 meters, uh, you know, uh, sprints and doing your, doing your hills and things like that. So that's a great opportunity to spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes in a session doing your, doing your drills, doing your technique work, and then finishing off with, you know, five or 10 minutes of, you know, actual short, you know, very short, uh, you know, the Charlie Francis model of going sort of low into, into high in terms of distance starting off low, you know, with low distances, five meters, 10 meters, get those right. You know, because if, if you're bad over five meters, you're going to be very bad over 60 meters. So short distances first, technique, early on you cycle, you know, and that's the same in weightlifting. That's the same in powerlifting. That's the same in anything. Um, lower intensity is great opportunity to, to build the base, build the skill, build the technique. Definitely. And I think we, you, you, we utilize this time pretty good. Like for myself, um, I haven't been preparing for any early competition in a while. And, uh, you know, people might think that like, why maybe I am doing sprints, but like me as an SNC coach, I just, I just want to coach the things I coach in the best possible manner. Like, you know, all the, um, like appropriate technique and biomechanics. So I think trying it myself, uh, gives me the best possible way, um, which obviously for you, uh, you already spoke about it, that you kind of using the extra off season, um, and you know, like being fast and react quickly is, is, is probably a win on the pitch in the rugby. So, um, from the sports perspective, um, I think it definitely will give me some benefits for even Oli, even though I would not necessarily say that Olympic lifter needs to do sprinting, because um, you could, you could um, kind of like as a comparison say that if you take an Olympic lifter to do some sprints, he might be faster than the guys who actually run, uh, yeah. because of the nature of the lower body, uh, like power and development, like all lifters are just genuinely good with their feet isn't it like they're lifting lots of weight yeah um triple extension uh but again might not be in every occasion so we might be really good in like dropping under the bar the timing uh, but then you might take me on a track and i might not be that good so it's not necessarily that if you're good in ollie or if you're if you're lifting heavy you're going to be good at sprinting and vice versa um but as the as a sprinter using Oli, yes, probably, but I'm not saying that I'm necessarily using this sprinting to enhance my my sport. But that was just yeah. an extra note. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely no specificity is you know very uh, very important. And uh, like I say, yeah, you get a top level you know Oli lifter. I mean, you look at 
you know, especially the Chinese, you know, like to implement a lot of plyometric uh, drills into uh, their training. And you look at, okay, plyometric training doesn't necessarily transfer immediately over to sprint performance, but they've certainly got the ability there that if they went and did some sprint work, they'd be, they'd be you know, pretty, pretty quick. Um, you know, pliers is probably something we didn't really mention, actually, from a training perspective, um, you know, and uh, as, as I've just said, plyometric work on its own isn't going to, necessarily transfer straight across to, to sprint performance but it certainly is a very important you know um aspect and component uh, of it um so you know in you know in terms of your plyometrics increasing your neural drive your rate of neural activation intramuscular control you know which, which in turn improve you know improve rate of force development why the only lifters are sometimes good at it even without sprinting because all that nature is kind yeah. of you, you know, like your um, strength shortening cycle and loads of ribbon extension, as we, as we said, like. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, one of like yeah one of my one of the, my favorite athletes to watch is like, um, you know, from from decades ago. But a guy called Werner Gunther, who was a shot putter, and he's like six foot seven and like. 100, 130 kilos, I think, and just an absolute beast. But like, absolutely rapid as well. Like, and his training was very, like, you know, it was ahead, of, you know, it was massively ahead of its time um, in, in terms of what he was doing, like loads, of, you know, loads of post-activation potentiation work, you know, strength into speed. And, like, they did some tests with him, like, with, it, with, it, with sprints and, like, I don't remember the times exactly, but he was absolutely rapid, basically. Like, yeah, okay, he was never going to beat a sprinter over you know, 30 meters plus, but like over five, 10 meters, he was rapid. Not that it was essential for his sport, but like mm. the, 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 the neural components were there because of the type of training that um, he, he was doing. Um, just to, if I can, uh, Sonia, just go back to uh, gym work and, you know, strength, power, plyometrics. Um, so hopefully the listeners now have got a good idea that, you know, strength base is very, very, you know, is, is, is essential for building that robustness, um, injury prevention, also the amount, you know, increasing the amount of force we can produce power, essentially meaning, you know, rate of force development, how quickly you can produce force. Very, very important in field sports, um, especially, you know, it's not necessarily about like static strength and, you know, how much, you know, it's about how, quickly we can move submaximal loads um and then obviously you've got your your plyometric as well and getting a massive neural drive neural activation and improving our um you know tendon stiffness um our ability to maximize the amount we can do with a minimal foot contact time and to decrease our foot contact time so if you look at sprinting like you know the these these guys are on the floor for absolute milliseconds so we've got a good force base with our maximal strength work that we can push off and push away from the floor and produce a strong powerful stride but also that plyometric ability and that that adaptation neural drive to spend as little time on the floor as possible is is essential as well and that's where those kind of different components come in so hopefully the reason I've just mentioned that is to try and sort of simplify for our listeners, like, right, why we would do strength, why we would do power, why we would do speed. And by speed, sorry, I'm, I'm just talking about plyometrics there. Um, in, in the gym, we'd refer to that normally as speed. Um, and then outside of that, are we doing our sprint work on the, on the field to transfer 
all of those components and adaptations into the right environment you know whether that's sprinting on a track or sprinting on a on a, on a rugby pitch um you know with that with, with that sort of plyo stuff that um that stiffness is a, maybe we do this on a separate podcast but that's a really that's a really important aspect as well there's a clear correlation you know between you know ten, tendon stiffness in, in in elite sprinters and actual uh, sprint performance that's re, you know that's really important as well um you know the reutilization of store, stored energy you know and it be you know being being so important so you know tendons tend to stretch under under load which you know would arguably minimize you know the uh the amount of the amount of force we can produce and take too much time on the on the floor so you know it's you know build building that stiffness through certain drills you know pogo jumps um you know depth depth jumps and reactive depth jumps and things like that's really uh really important as well um so yeah just a just a little kind of recap uh there and also sorry in terms of uh, exercise selection as well um you know like your horizontal type work is gonna carry over a little bit better to sprint performance than, than vertical work um so you know for our listeners what we're talking about there is you know your, your hip dominant uh you know strength training your, your remaining deadlifts your hip thrusts um you know move you know your, your deadlifts your trap bars movements like that you know very very important and then like it's the same with your, your power work you know if you're good at olympic lifts you could be looking at you know hang power cleans high pulls um you know you could be looking at med ball toss heavy kettlebell swings um you know banded uh deadlifts um top end kind of you know banded quarter squats uh or even potentially just just above half squats um and then your plyos you know looking at your, your broad jumps your triple bounds you, you know and, and obviously you know that that's all bilateral stuff i've mentioned obviously it's the same rule for your you know single leg and as you get closer to competition you'd look at doing more single legs so you know you're very heavy um you know uh split squats um you know one we like to use is you know uh, a hand assisted safety bar split squat that can be rear foot elevated as well heavy single leg deadlifts um and don't be afraid to go heavy with your single leg work as well people always think of like single leg work as like just easy accessory work um i would i would almost characterize it as that for uh powerlifters and weightlifters where it's a bilateral sport um, except for the split jerk, of course, in weightlifting, but it's a bilateral sport. So, you know, obviously we want to be, you know, we want to be very strong on two legs and being strong on one leg is, has its benefits, but you wouldn't normally go sets of three, four, five. You'd be looking at sets of six, eight, 10, 12. Whereas for a field athlete, um, we want to be bilaterally very strong, of course, because that'll transfer over to our single leg work, but be, you know, don't be afraid to do your heavy, you know, sixes, fives, fours, even threes, on you know your split squats your eccentric you know pistols your um you know even even coming out of the pins at quarter squat you know and unloading that um making sure especially in the prep phase we're getting loads of eccentric loading in um but being careful with the amount of eccentric work we're doing close to competition and in season because recovering from eccentric work you know takes us uh, a lot longer than it, it does just you know concentric only um 
you know, but don't be afraid to do those eccentrics, those isometrics, isometrics in certain, you know, sprint positions have got massive benefits. Um, but then, yeah, in your power as well, don't be afraid to do like single leg power work and then you apply those single leg bounds, skips, you know, jumps, all these kind of things will carry over massively. So in terms of exercise selection, make sure you're getting a good range of those things. Uh, make sure you're getting single leg work in as well as your bilateral. Make sure you're doing strength, power, plyo. Um, you know, the, the, the power being, you know, and the heavy end of power being very important for 5, 10, 15, 20 meters, especially in field sports. And um, as I say, you know, implement that in with the, the, the speed work and you'll be good to go. Look at horizontal, um, you know, loading primarily, um, you know, to, to improve, that, uh, improve that performance. Um, yeah, um, I think um, that obviously comes a lot about the, the proper programming and like utilizing the volume and intensity. Like I think from what people just listen now, it sounds like a lot and I think that's so easy to understand that this has to be managed because you just can't do loads of work um, and not really having the management of, of volume and intensity. So um you know like that's the simple reason why you're doing it now yeah. when you explain similarly yeah. yourself like i'm not really doing any only lifting now so i'm giving this a go like the consideration of the volume and intensity has to be controlled because otherwise you know you might not actually get the desired results um, 100%. so yeah. that about the, the consideration yeah yeah, definitely. That that kind of leads us on nicely. That actually, to the talking about considerations. Yeah, and um, you know, when we're when we're training, essentially we're breaking ourselves. You know, we're destroying ourselves, and we're tearing muscle fibers. We're, you know, damaging the nervous system, et cetera, et cetera. It's how we, you know, recover. Um, you know, that you know, or how we recover is very important. If we're constantly just destroying ourselves, then you know, we go beyond you know, adaptations and we're just battering the, the nervous system and the body and there's no carryover to performance. So you're right. Yeah. It's absolutely essential. The, the considerations of volume intensity and programming is, is massive. Yeah. We could follow up with maybe some like very like, not general, but like kind of like a little guidance, but again, it's not just like one, one certain way. Maybe we can explain, what we've been doing and how kind of we were monitoring it um yeah i think what we can uh, what we can talk about is um you know let, let's talk specifically about the the sprinting if you've got these two boxes right and one of your boxes is your gym work and that's your again strength power plyo mm-hmm. um and then your other boxes like going out on the road or the track or the grass and actually doing sprint work you know, if we talk about the actual sprint work, um, that, that could be quite good. Um, and I suppose the first thing, you know, to talk about is like, you know, how, how do I, how do I program that in? Like, what do I do? Do I just go out and do a hundred meters flat out? You know, that that's what people might, might be thinking. Max and I covered this a little bit last week on, um, our podcast, uh, you know related on injury injury prevention for field sports and um you know a big thing was you know not exposing yourself to those high velocities straight away um you know and um you know max mentioned about 
doing small-sided games to almost trap people in that uh, smaller, you know, smaller pitch so that we we haven't got the, you know, it's a bit more crowded and we haven't got the ability to hit top end. But when you're when you're sprinting outside of that, obviously there's no external factors to stop you doing what you want. Um, but what we did and what I recommend uh, people do is, you know, hill sprints uh, when, when they're starting off. Um, because that's a natural way where like you can still work hard, you can still sprint hard, but obviously because you're running up a hill, your speed is going to be lower than it would be on the flat. And therefore the amount of, you know, um, force potentiation through the floor, the amount of impact and the velocity is lower. So the, you know, the, the forces and strain through the body are going to be a lot, lot less. Would you agree with that? Definitely, and I think that's that's good to recommend for someone who is kind of new to this because I think genuinely people would just see, you know, flat road and go straight away for long distances um, and they would probably go for repeatable sprints um, with not enough recovery period in between because like that's kind of where maybe that EMOM pattern would come, come along, like people feeling like I feel quite rested. Uh, I just might go again, but if they go in for eight to ten sets, and if they would actually be tracking how efficient they run, um, we would know that probably on like third sprint already, if not fifth, um, that that would just drop down straight away, and the session wouldn't even fulfill its purpose. So um, yeah, we started with. I think very short distances we were covering like five to ten meters because obviously that uphill already added sure in it um and then you just progress um as you go week by week or month by month um then you obviously then change the hill to a flat um flat road where you're doing maybe slightly longer distance but uh yeah in terms of the recovery so depends it, it all depends on how how much intensity and effort you're putting into it. So if you run in around, I don't know, 60% effort, um, you might not need that much uh, recovery in between. But then as we move towards like the, the, the top effort, like high 90 or max effort on all rounds, um, yeah, we just, we just needed a bit more, which was something, you know, uh, maybe I was not happy about. But it's not in your nature. It's not in your nature to, to rest, is it? <laughs> simply for the purpose of the training, I know that needs to be done. Like sure. such a good feeling of, do you know what? I feel like I'm ready to go. Doesn't mean anything. Like it maybe does, and maybe yeah, you can try it. But I probably myself can say that having the three and a half to four minutes in between those sets made most of them being way more efficient than if I would rest less. Like I, I just noticed, like I know that if we would go full power for eight rounds, I know that those last five wouldn't be as good as the top. So you sure. just consider what you're doing and what you're doing it for um, and just kind of follow up. Um, mm. You know, if you, if you don't want to spend the time there, you just probably can't do it because it's not about how quickly you do it. Um, if you want to get the outcome, so yeah, a rest period 
and intensity um, is, is big one on this. Um, as we were covering, well, we started with like 10 meters, then we moved 15, so we were slightly yeah. increasing. And we yeah. know now that we, when we run in like 30 meters, <laughs> it, it's a lot of work. Um, even like six, eight sets, it, it's a lot. Especially for big, big, strong units like us, mate. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of weight going through that tarmac. <laughs> and then, like that—that's the, where it comes to the management, like management with all the other training. Like, um, you know, if if I just say to someone that we just done six rounds of thirty meters fly sprints, someone would say like easy work. But is it actually like? I think yeah. once we moved the day instead of Friday, we did it Thursday and we both could just feel hmm. that recovered from that Tuesday session. It was a two-day recovery rather than a three-day recovery, wasn't it? Um, because like we both know that when we're doing it, we really doing our best, like sure. in terms of technique, in terms of like uh, yeah. work. So recovery yeah. is a big one on this, um, not even just in between sets, but days as well, or probably the structure and manipulating it with your other training as well yeah essentially like yeah with the with the rest it's you know the generally speaking the higher the velocity the more recovery and rest that's that's needed the higher the velocity the more um you know the more force we're producing um you know the the higher the ground force the longer the recovery especially if you add body weight into that equation as well that can that can make things quite interesting so um yeah like you say you know starting off with our five meter 10 meter accelerations up the hill you know you don't need a massive amount of rest it's hard of course it is but you don't need a massive amount of rest um not only because we're not you know working at high velocity so therefore we don't need the recovery before we're ready again to produce those high forces um, but also because we are in that early technique phase so if we're not quite at 100 percent by the time the next set comes around that's okay and that's actually kind of almost like subconsciously a good thing because that's going to slow us down and protect us, you know, early on in that, that training phase. Um, so, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it's a good chance to, again, go back to what we were talking about earlier, like drilling the technique, you know, that that's not a bad thing to like slow us down, calm down, short recoveries. And let's just, you know, let, let's get that skill, skill work in as we build and we start going, you know, from the hills or the resisted sprints, banded sprints, whatever it is, into more of your flat work and you start increasing the uh, distances. So this is, you know, popularized by uh, sprint coach Charlie Francis, who, you know, call it the low into high model. Um, so start, you know, traditionally it always used to be high into low. You'd start off with longer distances for slower distance and then build into short acceleration. But it's, I mean, it's well-renowned now that, you know, low into high is a lot better. Um, so starting off with low distances, you know, and then building into higher distances. And as you build into higher distances, obviously you're moving at higher velocity, you're moving quicker, producing more force, and therefore you need more recovery. So that needs to be um, reciprocated in your rest periods between sets. Um, so you and I might be resting three to five minutes between sets, um, you know, uh, between sets of sprints. Your elite sprinters might be resting 15 to 20 minutes between top sets you know especially if they're doing the 60s 80s you know uh etc so you know the, the rest period becomes you know becomes uh becomes longer um now you know some people might be thinking well what about rugby you know repeat sprints things like that 
you know that, that that's something a little bit different now with you know if we're, if we're looking to improve speed we need the full recovery so that we can produce the speed again or else it's just pointless you know it's we're not really you know think about what you're training for if you're training for that maximal speed maximal acceleration we need to have the recovery to be able to produce those forces again now for a sport like rugby as you get closer to season so for example i might be hitting my you know top speeds you know a couple of months before the season and then i can look at repeat sprints and you know shorter recoveries and things like that because that is important in uh, field sports but we won't divulge into that too much but yeah it needs to be thought about in the micro in terms of between sets so getting your three to five minutes in at least um and then also in the in the macro of like right what does your program look like you know if i'm sprinting on a on a monday at high velocity is tuesday the best day to do my next session probably not yeah i need to have that recovery and that's where from a programming perspective you know i always look at kind of high days and low days um you know especially when implementing sprint work so for example you know a, a low day uh would be you know some aerobic work um you know and and, and develop developing uh, the aerobic system with maybe some tempo runs some jogging you know building up that aerobic capacity and then doing work in the gym alongside that that might be your accessory work your single leg work or it might be upper body work or something like that something that's like not overly taxing on the central nervous system then the next day i would look at a high day now with the high day i would implement my sprints so i'm nice and fresh i've done a hard day before i've had my low day or maybe it's even a rest day and on a high day i'm fully recovered to get the best out of that session so i can go in and do my sprints fresh therefore i'm quicker therefore i'm getting the required adaptation or creating the required stimulus sorry um and then in the weight room i might be doing my heavy and my power work then after that i might look at a rest day yeah so having your low day high day low day slower 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 velocities aerobic work for your conditioning and then accessories or upper body for your your weight training on your high days high velocity sprints high velocity movements and high force output in the gym as well and that's generally how we'd look at uh, we'd look at programming you know when you're talking about these like three to five minutes and stuff i just i just it just literally popped in my head like as you mentioned the name charlie francis yeah charlie francis yeah i've been reading about his special endurance he's got i think special endurance one and special endurance two so there's like a 30 seconds effort work um and like he even says that like the rest should be like 12 to 16 minutes so yeah. like you know like <laughs> it really yeah. how hard you're working like i've been having the on that stretch you know 30 seconds and obviously in between there's been few things to be done so you can get that 16 minute ish recovery um so as you say like you got to know what you're training for and just adapt around it 100% mate yeah 100% can follow one form like um the misconception of emom like you can't just do all the sprints as a yeah. every minute on a minute so otherwise you won't get the the adaptation you after so that's a learning 100%. for myself as well um practice for both of us um yeah yeah distance yeah distance and you know things like that you know importance taken into consideration and knowing knowing the sport like i said in you know in uh in, in rugby you know in american football even like 
the amount of times you hit absolute top end, like, you know, 50, 60, 70 meters is very rare. It does happen. Um, it happens slightly more in football, uh, especially with like counter-attack uh, style of play where, you you know, wing backs especially will be exposed to like 60, 70 meter sprints quite often. But rugby players and like in my position, for example, like, you know, it's quite rare that I'd get above 30 meters like into a sprint only occasionally. Um, so that is mainly what I would, what I would, uh, what I would train for is those explosive, you know, five, 10, 15 meter, uh, movements for me to carry. Now, if you're a hundred meter sprinter, it's different, obviously, because it is good that you mentioned this, because even though rugby is like one United sport that depends on those positions. So yeah, big time. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not sure what the positions are, but I know same like in, in soccer that you know, those guys would probably need to train a bit longer distance, but then some of them won't probably need it. So again, specificity and, you know, training what, what's good for you and what you need to do. Um, and the style of play as well, like you see in football, especially it's like very cutthroat where like a new manager will come in and he'll bring his own team, S&C team with him. And that like part of that is because it's like, obviously it's a you know, massive like trust thing, but you know, if you're, uh, you know, a football manager who likes, you know, playing a, a high pressing style or a counter attacking style, you're going to want the SNC to to replicate that. Um, you know, if you're more of a possession based team, for example, you know, then perhaps the SNC, you know, would would look a little bit different. But like you say, yeah, positions come into it as well. Um, you know, in, in football, like I said, like, you know, difference between wing backs and centre backs is going to be, you know, is going to be quite, quite different. You know, centre backs are not often going to be like exposed to, you know, high end sprints above 20, 30 metres, really. They need to be very quick over five or 10 metres or 15 metres. But your wing backs will often with a pressing game or a counter attacking game will be, you know, 50, 60 metres very, very often. Um, in my position in rugby, it'd be quite rare for me to to hit those kind of speeds. So it's important that I'm, you know, fast out of the blocks and powerful over those five, 10, 15, 20 meters. Um, if you're training a, you know, sprinter, then obviously they need to be, you know, of course, very quick and powerful out the blocks, but they also need to be quick at 60, 70, 80 meters. And that's where, you know, training considerations need to be uh, taken into account. Um, you know, I, 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 one, one more thing that, you know, I did, did mean to mention is we, we've kind of covered it, but just in regards to that kind of in, intensity, you know, in terms of um, creating enough, you know, stimulus to create a speed adaptation, you know, we do need to be working at night 5% plus, you know, the, the research would, uh, would show. So, you know, again, just going back to those rest periods, that's another important factor of why we need the right rest. You know, if we're not working at ninety-five percent plus intent, then we're not going to get the the adaptations. And again, like going back to the high and low, and again, Charlie France is another exponent of this, where like, you know, it's either ninety-five percent plus or seventy percent and below in terms of his sprint work and his conditioning work. Um, it kind of relates in the gym a little bit as well. But like, what he says, you know, is mainly talking about field work and sprint work and conditioning. Is like he talks about not getting caught in that sort of 70 to 90% or 70 to 95% you 
you know, range where on your high day you're coming in, but you're not fully recovered. So you're only sprinting at 80%, you know, of your maximum potential basically, or 85% of your maximum, um, you know, potential. So don't get caught in that. And again, that comes back to the rest and recovery. So that's, you know, high, low, et cetera, et cetera. On your, on your low days, you know, make sure it is just like kind of steady aerobic work make sure you're well recovered you've got you know you've had enough sleep you've had the right nutrition um you know i mean everyone's big on and rightly so on on calories and you know that's basic you know basic uh you know expenditure and you know calorie expenditure or you know surplus etc that which is very good that's obviously in terms of weight management and that it's as black and white as that but you know what you what you're eating is very important for uh, performance it's not just all about uh, calories for performance so um, that needs to be considered as well and just making sure that we are you know let's say if we're you know on our sprint days and we're looking to improve speed if we're not at 95 percent plus we're not really going to get uh, the required uh, stimulus so that's where the intensity and difficulty uh, difference comes in like you might feel like you're working hard how well actually yeah. your body is not ready so yeah exactly and that, that that that's the responsibility of, of of coaches in in sport as well and you know um there's certain there's certain coaches that will you know um do uh kind of almost very mini sort of performance testing every every session they'll come in and do like a six second watt bike or a vertical jump or something like that or there might be questionnaires or some something like that just to just to monitor you know how how the athletes uh, feeling, and then we can uh, we can adapt uh, on on that. So there we go. Yeah. So I mean, you know, coaching is not as simple as knowing how to do an Olympic lift, is it? You know, it's uh, you know, again spoke about that with Max last week. Is like you know, coaching is like identifying the the person or the group you're working with, the desired outcome, the goals, and managing stress, stimulus, volume, intensity, specificity all these kind of things it's not like right okay yeah a hip thrust is a cool exercise or a power clean is a cool exercise it's like well an exercise is an exercise really you know it's like knowing yeah knowing how to do that is like the absolute meat and potatoes of like you know that's that's your basics you know it's how to how to apply that and uh you know the the devil's in the detail we can then later on bring on um what we are preparing for for MSC in terms of sprinting, but I would still keep it like a little secret. Yeah. Nice, nice. Leave uh, you know, leave some leave some temptation there, and yeah. you know, some something to look forward to. Uh, thanks very much for joining me, Sonia. Um, for those who have been listening on our Spotify and not watching on our YouTube, well, you won't you won't have noticed that uh, me and Sonia are rocking a bit of a uh, bit of stash, bit of MSC stash, and uh, you'll see. I've not done not done my lid this morning, so I've got my MSC cap on as well. Um, keep your eyes peeled. Coming to a, a store near you very soon. Um, look forward to getting open next week, guys, and we will see you soon. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next time.